podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday after Liverpool drew 2-2 with Brighton at the Amex Stadium in the Premier League. A result that has brought some consternation from certain sides of the Liverpool fan base. But I think on balance, it was a fair result based on the game that we saw. I think you have to be respectful of Brighton because they're a really good team, really well managed, a lot of very good players, many players that we ourselves would cover for Liverpool to sign. Um, it's a result that leaves us with one point from the last two games, but it's also a result that leaves us fourth in the league. We're one point behind Manchester City. We're three behind Spurs who sit top. So I'm not seeing the reason for huge amounts of negativity right now. City are the team we need to keep pace with, and we're a point behind them. And they've just lost their last two games. And they played Wolves and Arsenal. I would say Spurs and Brighton is a far more difficult tandem than Wolves and Arsenal. So I think we have plenty of reasons to be positive right now about where the team is. We know there's flaws. We know there are issues. There's an issue at left back. Andy Robertson was... Fairly atrocious yesterday. He'd had a couple of decent games leading into this one. But there's no question Robertson has declined significantly over the last couple of years. We've got a bit of an issue at right back where it doesn't appear like Trent really wants to play there anymore. And that's something that can be solved by moving him into midfield. Trent is still one of our best players. And it's not like he had a bad game yesterday. It just feels like he doesn't really want to play that role anymore. It feels like he wants to be in midfield and he wants to be more involved in the general play rather than hanging out out wide. And the issue at right back is more to do with when he's in midfield, when he steps into midfield and we turn the ball over and the opposition come at us, we're not readjusting our shape quick enough. And it is leaving us a little bit susceptible to being countered. We've got an issue in holding midfield. Alexis McAllister quite clearly is not a holding midfielder. And anybody who'd ever seen him play prior to this season knew that he wasn't a holding midfielder, knew that he was not a defensive midfielder, and knew that playing him as a lone six was not going to work. But he's still a really good player. And there are other roles in the team, predominantly the left side of the midfield three, that would suit him really well. And I do wonder if Jürgen might just 
be tempted to see what it looks like with Trent playing in that number six position and Gomez at right back and just stick with a more solid back four. Now, Gomez, come on, yesterday and did not play well, but Joe had been very good up until that point. He just seemed to come into yesterday's game a little bit cold. So if we can run out Joe centre-back to be decided, Virgil, Robbo, is it ideal? No. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But you don't need it to be perfect. You just need it to work. <clears throat> now, I think it works a lot better with Ibu. Now, Ibu, again, didn't play well last night or yesterday when he came on. He looked a little bit out of sorts. Joel Matip had not had a good game, which was a shame because he'd been so good against West Ham and against Spurs prior to the own goal. Virgil didn't have a particularly good game yesterday either. I mean, he was largely responsible for the first Brighton goal. Um, but I do think that unit, Gomez, Ibu, Virgil and Robertson, if given a run of games together, I think it would be our strongest defence based on who we currently have. And then maybe you go Dominic right side, Trent as the six, which again is not ideal. But for now it might work. And then Alexis on the left of that midfield. Now that's a little bit harsh on Curtis Jones, obviously, but he is currently suspended. So you're working around around that. Um, in attack, Mo obviously, Darwin obviously, and then the third spot opens up. Now, my argument here would be, do we need that third attacker? Could that third attacker be Dominic and Alexis combined from attacking midfield roles? Could we go to a four box two? Maybe not immediately, but Let's just say for the next couple of games, maybe not the Derby because the Derby is going to be a bit weird, but let's just say you go Gomez, Canate, Virgil, Robertson as a back four. Could you play Trent and Curtis as a double pivot with Dominic and Alexis? Dominic starting wide right but shifting central into a more attacking midfield role. Alexis playing the same role from the left-hand side, which is basically the role he played at the World Cup, one we know he's very good in, and then Mo and Darwin up front. So what you'd actually be doing is you'd be bringing Joe Gomez into the team at right back, then you'd be replacing uh, Diaz with Trent in the attacking group. So you'd be bringing in an extra midfielder and removing an extra forward. Now, again, I don't expect this to happen because Jürgen very much likes to have his three forwards. But I'm just trying to think of a way where we could find the best balance between attack and defence, because right now we're just quite vulnerable defensively. I mean, you could play Dominic in the attack. You could play him off the left-hand side instead of Diaz, because Diaz is not producing consistently enough. Now, I spoke about this on Raw yesterday and why I think the comparisons between Diaz and Mane are unfair and also kind of pointless. 
But I think if you could take him out of the firing line a little bit and use Dominic and Alexis in those advanced roles. I mean, it could be Alexis on the right and Dominic on the left. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be one specifically either side. They're both capable of playing both sides. Dominic might work a little bit better off the left because he can come in field and shoot. Alexis on the right, he's still going to be really good at what he does. He's still going to be inventive. He's still going to make everything click together. Jones obviously isn't and isn't a a defensive midfielder, but I I feel like his athleticism, his running power in a midfield pairing with Trent, someone he already has pretty good chemistry with, I think that could be our best pairing. And Jones is also a very selfless player. He's happy to sacrifice for the good of the team. So if all you're asking him to do is, you know, just keep things ticking over and let Trent take care of most of the creative stuff from the double pivot, I feel like that could work. And then in January, you go and you buy that actual defensive midfielder. And then you can put Curtis into rotation where he could play instead of Trent. He could play instead of Alexis, play instead of Dominic. You also have Gravenberg can play those roles. Endo's then the backup holding midfielder. Harvey becomes the backup to Dominic or Alexis. Diaz can play either wing. So you can use him there. You can use him up top. Obviously, then you get Cody back. Again, he can play as one of those attacking midfielders because he's used to playing as a winger, or he can play up top. And the same with Jota. So you start to maybe get a bit more out of your squad. Now, you'd want to go into the summer then and upgrade both fullbacks and add one really high-end depth piece at centre-back. But that might be all you really need to do if you can keep Mo. Like if you could add a really, really high quality defensive midfielder in January, you'd probably go into the summer just looking for a starting left back, a starting right back, and a good depth centre back, like a high quality depth centre back who's more than capable of starting two thirds of the games in the season if you need him to. Someone like Diamande at at Sporting, maybe. I know he's got a big high buyout, but he's really, really good. Antonio Silva would be another one who'd be well worth looking at. Top Sopper would be one worth looking at. I'm talking about basically signing a third starting centre-back. So it is a lot then to change quite a bit of your defence. But if you've got Virgil and you've got Ali, I think you can change what's around them and they will immediately make things work. Like, again, Virgil didn't do well for the first goal yesterday. Neither did Ali. Ali plays the ball to Virgil. I don't think Virgil was really wanting the ball, but he took a touch and then played a lazy ball to Alexis, which was under hit and put Alexis under immediate pressure. Alexis gets his pocket picked. I've seen him get a lot of stick for his performance yesterday. He's just not a defensive midfielder. I don't know what more people want from him. Um, and then Ali doesn't get himself in a, into a good position. So Adingra shoots pretty early. It's not a brilliantly struck shot. It's not in the corner. But because Ali doesn't get himself set, it's it beats him. Now, Alisson made up for it with 
a brilliant save from Adingra 1v1 in the second half. There's nothing he can do about the second goal. Didn't really have any other big chances that I can think of. So, you know, it's it's not like Allison had a bad game or anything. He just had that one mistake. Um, Virgil had just had a couple of moments other than that where he just... Joe Pedro caused him problems yesterday. Joe Pedro caused him problems. Forced him to to come quite high. And he committed a couple of fouls that just were very out of character for him. Um, again, I just thought Matip was a bit all over the place. He dealt well with Ferguson in, in the 1v1s. Dealt well with the threat of Evan Ferguson and didn't go following him too often, which was was clever. But when Matoma moved in off Trent and Trent wasn't giving any help inside, Matip had problems. Um, all things considered, I think it is a good point. I think if it hadn't been for the fact that we got robbed at Spurs, I think everybody would feel a lot more confident after the point yesterday. But because it's two games in a row where we've dropped points, people w- will take the negative view. But if you look at our, our fixtures coming up, they are favourable. Like, we've had the toughest start. We've played six of the top eight. We've gotten positive results against all of them except Spurs, and we know why that happened. Because I do count a point away to the team in sixth as a positive result. Like, we've had by far the hardest start. And we're, we're fourth place, three points off top. And if you look at our upcoming fixtures, they're very favourable to us. Everton at home, that's a game we should win. Forest at home, that's a game we should win. Luton away, that's a game we should win. Brentford at home, again, that should be a win. Then City away, and that's tough. That's a tough game. But then Fulham home, Sheffield United away, Palace away, United home, they're all winnable. They're four wins. Then Arsenal home. Again, we should beat Arsenal at home. Then we go to Burnley. Again, we should win that. And then it's Newcastle home on December 30th. Now, that one might get changed to the 31st, but either way, like if you look at our run between now and the end of this calendar year, you're only looking at City away, Arsenal home, and Newcastle home thinking, right, they could be places we drop points. Palace away tends to be a bit of a grind, but we do tend to win there. Like, we should win all the home games. We should destroy United. So, things have broken quite quite well for us here. And if we get to that Newcastle game, and we're second or third, and we're three or four points off top. And then come January 1st, maybe we have a defensive midfielder ready to come in. Maybe we have that set up. We bring someone in. And maybe there's one more piece that we bring in. Maybe we do two in January. I doubt it, but maybe. But if we can get one piece in in January, one ball-winning midfielder in January, and we're in a strong position... Like, what's stopping us having a good old go at things? You know, it's not like we come out of the the international break with the most difficult run either, or out of the, the Christmas break. Like, we go Bournemouth away, we should win that. 
that's after the FA Cup week. Then there's the gap, the break between between games. We don't play between the 13th of January and the 31st of January. That's Chelsea away. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Mo will likely miss that because of AFCON. Um, what dates is the AFCON running? 13th of January to the 11th of February. So Mo will miss Bournemouth because that's the day this, the tournament starts. Chelsea, Arsenal, and Burnley. Assuming Egypt progress out of their group. Assuming they do. Now, we don't yet know what group they're going to be in. They are a pot one seed. But they could draw a really tough group. And maybe they don't get out of the group stage. But the likelihood is that he, he'll be good enough to get them out of that group stage. So in all likelihood, we'll miss him. He might be back for Burnley, but I'd imagine we're definitely going to have to do Chelsea home and Arsenal away without him. Again, we're capable of beating Chelsea at home. We're capable of going to the Emirates and getting something even without him. Then he's back for Brentford. Then we go Brentford away, Luton home, Forest, then City again. Then Everton. Then Brighton. Like... Our end of season run is is tough the last four games. West Ham away, Spurs home, Villa away, and then Wolves. But like I I think we can be right in the mix. And like as I said before, I I, I don't see that the title is the aim this year. I know everybody wants us to win the title every year. I do as well, but I feel like after last season and after you know having to to rebuild the midfield, which isn't complete, despite some people loving to send out silly tweets, midfield rebuild, complete. It's not complete because we didn't get the ball winner we need. It's just as simple as that. We just didn't get the ball winner we need. So until we do, the midfield rebuild is not going to be complete. We're also going to have to rebuild the defence. Not to the same level because we've got Ibu, we've got Virgil, I think Kwanzaa can go into next season as the fourth centre-back. I think you'd be more than happy having Gomez as right-back, back-up and centre-back depth. He could be the fourth and Kwanzaa could be the fifth. You know, it could be that way. Uh, Robertson as the back-up left-back. That's fine. Um, I mean, you could sell Robertson in the summer if he got a really good offer. You could and, and keep Costas because neither of them count as homegrown. So whichever one brings the better value, because you've, you've got to go uh, sign a starter regardless. So you're looking at, you know, three players is all you need to bring in there. You're looking at four players that we need over the next two windows. That's not bad. It's not bad. Now, they're going to have to be high end, but doesn't necessarily mean they have to cost enormous money. You could buy one of your fullbacks as a younger player who doesn't necessarily start every single game because Robertson, if he stays, will still get games. Gomez will still get games. You're looking at them maybe making 30 starts across next season. It's a shame that Livermento moved this year because if he'd gotten a year more under his belt at Southampton, 
post ACL tear. He's one I would have liked us to look at for right back. Kirkes at Bournemouth for left back could be very interesting. And if they go down, which I don't think they will, but they might, then he'd absolutely be high on the list. And he wouldn't cost, I don't think, an enormous amount. It might be 30, 35 million, but that's not huge money. Um, it, well, it is huge money. It's huge money in all walks of life, except in football. Um, see, I mean, I don't really see the, the need for anybody to be too upset about anything right now. I mean, the, the crazy people will be upset and they'll, they'll find ways to blame every single thing on the owners. But the bottom line is the squad is the squad because this is what Jürgen picked. This is what we ended up with because he made decisions. So, you know, he, he'll work through them and he'll figure those out. And we just need to stay patient. This is a season of transition. Last season was never a season of transition because last season we went into the season being told Liverpool are going to win the league this year. Liverpool are going to win the Champions League this year. Liverpool are going to be bang in the mix. No glaring gaps to fill. You remember all that nonsense? That's not what you say prior to a season of transition. Nobody was talking about a season of transition prior to last season. It was only when things went so hilariously wrong that anybody mentioned transition. And it was just an excuse. But this season is a season of transition because we've rebuilt much of that midfield. Because we've had to reset expectations. Because we, we were so bad last season. So this is the season of transition, of transitioning ourselves back into the top four. And then next season, maybe we're ready to go. If we can keep them all. If not, then things get a little bit more complicated. But that's a, that's, that's a story for another day. Um Plenty of good stuff on This Is Anfield. Make sure you check all of that out. On anfieldindex.com, bunch of pieces up about the Brighton game. Uh, lessons learned, Brighton draw opens old wounds. Another ref and joke, Liverpool fans react to Brighton draw. Pascal Grouse probably should have been sent off. He doesn't make a real attempt to play the ball. He just drags Dominic down by the neck. I have a theory here, though. I don't think the penalty was given for the gross foul on Dominic. I think it was given for the other foul. Because when the referee gave the penalty, he pointed to where the second foul had taken place. I don't think he gave the foul for the Pascal gross foul. I think it was for the one on Robertson. Uh, McAllister's tactical dilemma. I mean, obviously, we we know what that's about. Uh, Liverpool won't win the league, according to Alan Shearer, Brain of Britain. Uh, Van Dijk has put his hands up and taken responsibility for the risky pass that he played to Alexis, which led to their goal. Podcast-wise, we've got a bunch of stuff up. If you haven't listened to the latest Scouted, it is worth your while. There's the latest Moby on the spot, which is always brilliant with Jan and Trev. There is a new minefield, which is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, so do give that a listen. And then there is post-match raw, which is myself, Trev, and Harry Sethi. And we rambled for 103 minutes. <laughs> the podcast is longer than the match, uh, which is a first for us. 
And uh, we will leave it there. That's all I have. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.